Do you have all of the Ten Commandments memorized? Can you tell me tonight what the second commandment is? Stay with us as we're going to look at the second of the Ten Commandments. Welcome to our Wednesday evening Bible study. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins and the Master's House, we're so glad that you tuned in with us. We're super excited to have our guest host with us. We have our youth director, Corey, and his wife, Lena. It's good to have you guys here with us tonight. And we're going to be examining the second commandment. And what we want to do before we get started is we want to go before the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing over our study tonight. Send us those prayer requests that you might have that you want to lift up before the Lord. We'll be happy to pray on behalf of those requests. And we're going to ask Corey if he would to take us before the Lord on behalf of these needs tonight. And also that God would minister to all of our lives in this Bible study. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Master, Lord, for, for granting us the opportunity, Lord, to, to come together tonight, O oh Lord. Lord, to just spend some time with your word, O oh Lord. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would go forth, dear Lord, that you would move and let your perfect wisdom and your will go forth this night, dear Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you would reach out and touch all those, Lord, that are, are listening to this, Lord, and that you would touch their hearts and let them receive, Lord, that that you would have for them this night, O oh Lord. And we just thank you for this opportunity. We praise and we lift you up. In your most precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So what a great study they did last week on the very first commandment. And again, we're going to move on into the second commandment tonight. And this commandment is first recorded in the book of Exodus, but it's also mentioned in many different places in the Bible. But let's turn to Exodus, the 20th chapter and the fourth verse. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. What's interesting here is that God is specifically letting everyone know that he is jealous for their attention and he will not share it. Exactly. Uh, the Lord is straight up saying that uh, making an image and serving it is not only iniquity or sin, but it is quite literally an act of hatred towards him. Mm -hmm. Also in Leviticus, the 26th chapter in the first verse, God is saying that the, a graven image that we just mentioned here is also considered an idol. So Leviticus 26 and 1 says, Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven images, neither rear up a standing image, neither shall you set up an image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. So the term graven image means a carved idol or a representation of a god that is used as an object of worship. Um, usually it's made of stone or wood and, and again can be carved or sometimes covered in gold or silver. I think it, it's kind of weird to think about this in sort of this day and age, mm -hmm. right, of uh, actually like paying this divine reverence and honor to a thing that was created, right? Like, like having something that was made in a factory, like with a sticker on the bottom, like made in the USA, <laughs> and then genuinely believing that it has a divine power. Probably more likely to say made in China. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Uh, but we know that the worshiping of uh, inanimate object, as Lana mentioned, you know, stones or a piece of wood or a plastic, mm -hmm. you know, thing, or it could even be a tree or a river or the sun or anything. It could be an idea 
or a passion or anything that you would place before God and any of those things is considered idolatry. And something uh, we don't typically think about is actually worshiping God or Yahweh or Jehovah under the Im under an image or symbol. That also is considered idolatry. And there are religious uh, religious symbols that represent things to us. We know that the cross represents the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, but it is no wise for us to bow down and pray to it, or we should worship no religious symbol or image whatsoever. So throughout Israel's history, they always had an issue with worshiping idols and idolatry. You know, do you remember that story of uh, Rachel? When Jacob left uh, his uncle Laban with his family and goods, she stole her father's uh, household gods and Laban pursued them. Uh, Jacob was not aware that Jacob had, uh, or rather Jacob was not aware that Rachel had taken those things and hid it from them both. These household idol, uh, idols were likely um, a stumbling block or, or a temptation for those whom she finally revealed them to. Yeah, and then a little later on, if we recall, the children of Israel, they're just out of Egypt. And while they're waiting for Moses, who had gone up to the mount to receive, that's right, the Ten Commandments, uh, they, they, they start uh, getting impatient. And so they start, you know, talking amongst themselves, what if something happened to him? Uh, so what they do is they go to Aaron and they, they convince him, a little too easily <laughs> for my liking, uh, to make them a representation of Jehovah. And so they threw some coal into the fire and they say that, well, this calf just popped out. Just popped out. It just popped out. It's so convenient. It just popped out. And they said, okay, this is the God that took you out of Egypt. Um, God not so pleased with this. So uh, he then sends Moses back down the mountain and he sees this heresy and he actually grinds up the golden calf and then uh, turns it into a powder, adds it to water, and then uh, they have to drink it. The, the Israelites that had sent have to actually drink this. So remember last week they talked about the first commandment, you know, you shall have no other gods before me and they, you know, defined who me was and Combine that with this second commandment, which is no idols or representations of any other gods. It's also no representations or likeness of Jehovah. Uh, God is pretty adamant uh, that his people should only be serving him in the way that he's established. Mm -hmm. And Moses, being led by God, calls out the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy 4, 25 through 28, we read, When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image, or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God, to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. So this prophecy is very clearly warning them ahead of time, uh, and, and, you know, that, hey, this is going to happen. And you would think that with this knowledge, they would 
try to avoid falling into this trap. Um, I mean, how many, how many of them read this, right? How many of them memorized the, t- the Ten Commandments? It's the second one, and there's only ten. And yet, uh, even after all of that, they still break it, even after seeing the repercussions that happen right before they receive the Ten Commandments. Right, and the Scripture pretty much tells us that we need to be paying attention. Moses emphasized this, that we, just like the Israelites, should not forget the covenant that we have made, that agreement that we made with God. In Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, in the 23rd verse, it says, Take heed unto yourselves, pay attention, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord thy God, unless you forget, you know, our agreement, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Again, the Lord is super clear here. And even with him being so clear and the understanding that God is a consuming fire, that his judgment will utterly consume them, still so many fell short and into this trap of idolatry. Mm-hmm. And it was important then for the Israelites to know But it's uh, even more important now for everyone to understand uh, and know exactly how the Lord views graven image worship. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 25, The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. It's a trap. (laughs) It's a literal abomination, right? meaning it is disgusting to God and it is hated by him. So I think it's pretty clear where God stands on this issue, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't condone this, uh, but it brings up an interesting question to me. And that is, if nothing is to be made in the likeness of an animal or anything like this, or as a standing image that we read, how come Moses created a brazen serpent? That's a good question. It is a good question. Um, So let's look at that a little bit closer, right? So uh, the children of Israel are traveling through the wilderness, and due to their lack of trust in God, uh, well, that's why they're out there in the first place, and yet they continue to doubt and murmur against God. So uh, Numbers 21 uh, and 4, and they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth, loatheth this light bread. That's a fun word, loatheth. <laughs> well, I just can't help but think how ungrateful they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very easy for me to sit here and be critical of them but i would hope that i would be different that that we would be different in the same situation (laughs) no i i yeah yeah, i think we all would hope that right Mm -hmm. um so but then if we keep reading in verse six it says and the lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of israel died so i mean when i think of this passage of scripture i mean i i don't like snakes I really don't like snakes. Now, I, especially biting snakes, right? If, if you like snakes, well, I, I'm sorry for you because I just, I just don't like snakes. Um, and I always think in terms of snakes, and, and we have a, a, a video clip 
that uh, you know I hope we get an opportunity to share with everybody uh, that, that this passage of scripture always reminds me of. But I always think of, okay, a snake is going to try and avoid me. You know, it's not looking out to, to get me. But in the context of this scripture, I see these snakes actually going after the people and biting them. Mm. And there's this uh, nature film, whatever. Even, our, even I saw this documentary and there's this little lizard and he is uh, I think it might be on the Galapagos Islands or something like that uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's at um, but there's all these snakes and so this lizard is is trying to s sit there and he's like if I don't move you know they won't know that I'm here because they feel the vibrations, you know, mm. on the ground. And so there's these snakes slithering around him. And all of a sudden, he just, oh, you can just hold still. This snake's not going to see me. And these snakes are not like snakes like this. I mean, these things are like 30,000 feet long, right? And all of a sudden, there's a snake that comes up behind him. And he takes off running. And he's running across, you know, this area. And all of a sudden, out of all of the rocks there's i mean just hundreds of thousands of millions of snakes if you get more than two you're <laughs> you're at a hundred thousand right yeah. there's just all these snakes and they just all are <laughs> chasing him and, and he goes a little bit further and there's snakes coming out of this rock and snakes coming out of this rock and all these snakes are chasing and then finally like one or two of these snakes get a hold of this little lizard guy and they're fighting to get this lizard guy, and he kind of sneaks out the back because <laughs> they're all tied up in a knot. And then he, there's all these. He's trying to jump up on these rocks to get away, and these snakes <laughs> are just jumping at him and jumping at him and jumping at him. So you can see Eve and I are there, you know, in the living room on the edge of our seats. And we're like, go, run, 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 hurry. We're just cheering on this, this little lizard. And it's just it's such a creepy video. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're able to show a part of that. But uh, every time we come to these sets of scriptures, this video now comes into my mind about these snakes coming in and uh, starting to bite him. I mean, I can't remember. I think he might get bite. He might get bit part of the way, but it's just... I mean, that's a lot of snakes, but also maybe too many snakes. Yeah. So many snakes. <laughs> well... Not unlike the lizard, uh, the children of Israel were being pursued by these snakes, yeah. and they're being bit, and they're uh, they're they're suffering and they're dying. So um, in verse seven it says, "Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us." And Moses prayed for the people. You know, it's good that the, the children of Israel recognized yeah. <laughs> their sin uh, for speaking against the Lord and, and sought their forgiveness. And something I, I come back to is, is how thankful I am and how thankful we should be for uh, a man of God who will intercede on our behalf. Um, and, and I just, you know, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for, you know, there's mercy even in God's judgment. Absolutely. Um. And then from verse 8, uh, it continues on. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. 
And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I think it's really important to nail down this point. The brazen serpent was only to be looked at. Absolutely. And this whole thing was to teach the children of Israel to be obedient for once. (laughs) Throughout the entire journey in the wilderness, the children of Israel struggled with complaining and they struggled with their obedience. And so now to find protection from the serpent, they would have to train themselves to heed the word of the Lord and to do this thing that he commanded. I think it's also interesting to know that looking at the brazen serpent did not bring immediate healing. Uh, The scripture just says that they would live, so they would still suffer from agony, uh, from the bite, just not die. And the children of Israel understood that this was not an object of worship, was not a god, had no power, Uh, it was deaf, it was dumb, it didn't provide any relief, or like you said, it didn't provide any sort of healing from the snake bites. It was just to be looked upon, and even then, it didn't have anything to do with the thing itself. It was the act of obedience. You were looking upon it because that's what God told you to do. That is what brought recovery. Nothing that to do faith in God. That, exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing recorded in this passage that anyone thought that this was a God. And we also find out later on that this had a, another intended purpose. In the New Testament, Jesus revealed that the brazen serpent foreshadowed how he, Jesus, would be crucified on the cross in John the third chapter in the 14th verse. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So we should know that something can have religious significance and not be an idol, right? We should also know that it's easy for us, humans, uh, to apply deity to such symbols. Um, It was several hundred years after this happened in the wilderness that certain Israelites looked to the brazen serpent as an object of worship and then gave it a name and treated it as a god. It's mentioned during the reign of Hezekiah when he was removing all of the idols from Judah. In 2 Kings 18.4 we read, He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan? There's this weird tendency that is within mankind to take an object and to deify it, right? To believe as though it has attributes that it, it's just an object it doesn't have. And in this example, uh, being convinced that the brazen serpent had the power to help them, even creating a name for it, right, going so far as to to deify and personify it, um, speaks to the depravity that inherently lives deep within a person's heart. Paul says in Romans how those, those individuals who just stop listening to God, stop acknowledging God, and turn their hearts from him, and that within the heart of man and in his imagination, there is evil that corrupts his understanding of God and makes God into his own idea in an effort to control God and the concept of God. In Romans, the first chapter, verse 21, it says, Because that when they knew God, 
They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So there are those that are willing to be so corrupted in their thinking that they're not willing to acknowledge God and and unable to see how easily they can sink into their own arrogance and believe the lie that they created. The Lord reminds the Israelites what they saw, or more accurately, what they did not see when God spoke to them. And this should also be a reminder to us. In Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 19, we read, Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of any thing that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. They did not see anything to make any likenesses of. <laughs> yeah. And when it talks about to corrupt themselves, it's to be dishonest and it's to be a degenerate. And so people who bow down to these idols, again, they're just lying to themselves. Absolutely. We continue reading in verse 19. Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars and even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. God is giving warning here that the children of Israel, and even us today, again, could through the splendor of creation mixed with the wickedness within our hearts <laughs> to um, be tempted to make a God out of anything and everything. Along with this line of thinking we have in the, uh, a scripture in the New Testaments that talks about having, you know, not seeing anything, Jesus reminds us that God is a spirit. In John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And a spirit does not have a form. It's, it's invisible. So if God is invisible and should be worshiped in spirit form, then there is no image or representation for us to create that would represent God. Not even a picture or likeness or representation of Jesus Christ. So uh, as Paul said in Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? And so God is to be honored in truth. I think there are scriptures in Isaiah that express the ridiculousness of idolatry. Um, how the praying to and believing in an idol, a graven image, is totally empty. Yeah, and it's not just the act of worshiping the idol that's empty, but those that actually worship the idol are also empty. Mm -hmm. um, in Isaiah 44, verse 9, it says, They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witnesses, they see not, nor know, that they may be ashamed. 
Who hath formed a god, or a molten graven image, that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen, and they are of men. Let them all be gathered together, and let them stand up. Yet they shall fear, and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with tongs both work in the clothes, fashion it with hammers, and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry, and his strength faileth, and he drinketh no water, and is faint. So their own, they are their own witness. And so it's point, uh, this pointless loop of telling yourself that what you're doing is right and that you are right in the things that you're doing. It's this cycle that is so bad and blinding that you, you can't even understand how wrong you are and how shameful it is, the things that you're doing. And then uh, the scripture goes on further to point out just the absurdity of creating an idol out of a tree and then worshiping that thing that you created. So in verse 13, it says, The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes, and he marketh it out with the compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He heweth him down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Then skipping down to 16, he burneth part thereof in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast, and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself, and saith, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my god. So, tree was cut down by the carpenter. <laughs> Use in the fire to keep him warm. Cook right. his dinner. Uh, and then the last part of the tree, he was like, but this part, this I'm going to worship. This part is God. <laughs> and it, it just makes no sense how all three of those things, two of them very commonplace, one of them very much not, all come from the same source. It's explained later that the carpenter is incapable of understanding how this makes no sense. So we continue to read in verse 18. They have not known nor understood for he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart, neither their knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. I shall, uh, and, and shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stalk of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? He has so deceived himself, that is blind to the lie that he has created and told himself. So it's just amazing that you could fall into the deception. We use the, the term trap, and, mm -hmm. you know, Moses saying, you know, from God, Hey, take heed, pay attention to this that it, it, it is so easily, easily done. Um, you and I talked a little bit, you know, before Bible study. Well, you know, people don't really carve up a piece of wood and throw it on the fire and then pray to the other piece of it. But there are certain things in our lives that we sometimes hold on to that could actually be considered uh, a graven image that I can't do anything with or without this little thing here you know i 
I go to this little device here to find answers to questions and maybe I use this and I may not be bow dowing or worship to it, but I spend no time with God, but I sure spend a lot of time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain things in our lives that uh, we might not consider to be a graven image or an idol that maybe it is. And maybe we're blind to that and not having a full understanding of what these scriptures are actually saying to us. I mean, in summary, we are, we are humans, right? We, we are visual. We are tactile by nature. Every time we say, hey, let me see that, we mean, let me touch that. Let me hold it. We always say, hey, let me see that. And that means, let me, let me, let me touch it. Let me, let me, you know. I mean, that's how we are. We want to see and touch everything. We want to see and touch the God we worship and the God we pray to. We understand that. But the scripture teaches us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We believe and trust in a God that we cannot see. And God has given us this second commandment to make no graven images or idols or bow down to them or to seek them out or do anything else therewith. Um, there are other warnings in different places in his words. We, we touched on a, a few of them that to help us, to remind us, to keep us uh, from falling into that abomination. We don't need a visual representation of a false god or a representation of the God of the Bible, the one that we serve. Graven images, idols, they're dead. They cannot see us, they cannot hear us, they cannot help us, they cannot heal us, they cannot deliver us, they cannot save us. Only God can do those things. These idols are basically man's attempt to make, to make God in man's own image. And may we always remember this warning that's found in 1 John 5 and 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our Bible study tonight. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins and the Master's House, we hope you've enjoyed yourself and something was said may have ministered to your heart. We thank our special guest, our youth director, Corey, and his wife, Lana. Thank you so much for participating tonight and sharing us all of your thoughts and insights. We want to go before the Lord in prayer at this time and ask God to minister to our hearts. If, if there's anything, uh, be it an object, be it an idea, be it uh, a place, be it uh, you know a river, a sun, uh, an idol, anything that we have set before God, that the Lord would open up our eyes to it, that we would not be blinded to it, that we could have a better understanding so that we could serve God the way that he wants to be served and we could keep this commandment that is pleasing to him. He's jealous. That that word jealous means he wants you to spend time with him, not anything else. He loves and cares about each and every one of us. He wants to minister in our lives. Those special prayer requests that you have, send those to prayer at mastershouse.org. God wants to minister to your life tonight. He wants to minister into this situation that you might have. If there's something that you have set before him, he wants to open your eyes to it so that he can be first and foremost in your life so that he can bless you and make a way for you. Send us those prayer requests. We'll be happy to lift those up before the Lord tonight. We're going to ask Lena, if she would, to ask God's blessing over all of these requests, that God would help us in our walk with him, that we would set nothing before him, that there would be no image, no idea, no thought, that we'd bring all things into the obedience of Christ, and that we would serve him in spirit and in truth. Sister Lena, would you take us before the Lord at this time? 
Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for bringing us together this night, God, to learn your word and, and learn more about what you will have for us, Lord Jesus, as we expand upon these Ten Commandments, Lord God. We ask that you open our eyes, Lord Jesus, and, and help us understand that we do not walk by sight, Lord God, but we walk by faith, Lord Jesus, that is strengthened in you, Lord God. We ask all these things and, and for these special prayer requests tonight, Lord Jesus, and, and for our pastor and, and our first lady, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your precious name, God, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. We'll see you next week.